This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week television podcast. It's our first for 2019. I'm James Manning, the editor of Media Week. Joining me is, as usual, is Media Week contributor Andrew Mercado. There's lots to talk about this. We're going to talk about what's been happening over the summer. We're going to be talking about I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. We're going to be talking about the breakfast TV furor, the seventh decision to delay Home and Away and put something else in the 7pm slot. And I'm also going to be talking about a lot of the UK television I was lucky enough to watch over the break. So here we go. Starting off first, Andrew's talking to us about I'm a Celebrity. I might have fast-forwarded some bits on late nights, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I've always watched that show. I've always loved it, and they've got a pretty good group in there this year. And I tell you what, Dr Chris Brown and Julia Morris are still on fire together as a hosting team, and when I saw that first promo for Sunday Night Takeaway, I got very excited. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a good year for them, and I'm really looking forward to their next project. Yeah, look, they're going to be very busy, aren't they? I think... Um I'm a celebrity runs for just over four weeks, which will take us to mid to you know mid to late February, maybe the 18th, the 20th, something around there. I'm not sure of the days the Sundays are, but they finish on one weekend in um, South Africa. Then the following Sunday, they're on air with their new series. Um, probably a clever move because I, I think you're right. A lot of people do like them as hosts, and they'll probably that audience will certainly give um, the new show a, a trial. I think. Yeah, that's a punishing schedule, but yeah, keep the momentum going. And, uh, you know, my favourite line of the season so far has been when they were trying to uh, guess who might be the intruder from the footy show, and Dr Chris was saying, is it this person? Then he said, is it Sam Newman? And Julia Morris said, oh, Doctor, he would melt in the African jungle. I mean, they're really funny together. Yes, yes. And what are you thinking of uh, Celebrity? Have you been watching much of it? Yeah, I've watched it all. I've watched every oh, okay. single app, oh, wow. and uh, you know, I'm right in there every night. I'm on board. I, I, I'm I'm sad I didn't get to see Schoolies with Scott Tweedy, the new Saturday Night Show last week. I just assumed my uh, recording system would pick it up because it was part of the franchise, uh-huh. but it didn't. But yeah. uh, I'll make sure I take that separately this weekend. Yes, yes. Any favourites? Um, yeah, look, I'm loving. Do any spoilers? Yeah, no spoilers. Uh, look, I'm, I'm really loving Luke Jacobs there. I think he's really solid. Uh, I, th- I think this is a great opportunity for you to see people and see often see how they really are. And, uh, yeah, I'm very impressed with the way they're all pretty much behaving themselves. I'm pretty much impressed with all of them. But, uh, yeah, I, I reckon I'd put a few dollars on Luke Jacobs. I think he's solid. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, interesting because he hasn't had a lot of... Um Maybe not a lot of screen time in those first episodes. He certainly hasn't been in the headlines yet, but um, we'll watch out for him. And I think Ten's probably done a pretty good job of the casting this year, haven't they? I think they have. I think they've got a really good mix. You know, that first episode where Angie and uh, Evie from uh, Gogglebox were sitting there watching the celebrities come in and Goggleboxing them, that was brilliant. That was so funny. I almost wanted them just to stay there and Gogglebox the whole show every night. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm loving it all. Jackie Lambie and Sam D- Dastiari are giving it. Um, Dermot Brereton's hilarious. I'm loving that Shane Crawford's come in and made all the boys up their testosterone. I'm a fan of Tahir's, of course from Street Smart and Fat Pizza Days. Uh, 
Justine and Natasha Exelby are kind of quiet, but you know they're they're sticking in there. I think it's been great. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've seen a little bit of it. I, I, I quite like it, but still, I'm usually eating my dinner, so it's it's still a hard watch for me. And um, but the food trials. Yeah. And but even just seeing the rats on the screen, although I still get a bit yeah. squirmish, I'm I'm not real great with that stuff. But I'm I'm just loving what it's uh, doing for ten, and um, they're really pushing there the under fifty network now. So um, I think everybody would like to see them a lot more competitive in terms of size of audience with the others, because that all of course makes seven and nine lift their game too. So, We've always wanted that, and I think people really, really love 10. And any time I criticise them, I feel bad, and I always criticise them with love because mm. I want them to be there and I want them to be good and I want them to be cool. That's what they were, the cool network. 7 and 9 were always fighting each other and copying each other, and 10 was the lone wolf going out there being the cool guy. I love it that they're back there doing that. Yeah, well, come mid-February, they're going to have a massive schedule. and We'll probably talk about some of those <clears throat> other shows in successive uh, podcasts. Um, now, look, what else have you been now? You, I think you've been, you've tuned into Bloom, which um, dropped on Stan, I think. Was it January 1 or very early? Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. What are your thoughts there? James, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. That first episode is exactly what I want Australian dramas to do to get attention on the world stage now. It was compelling. It was moving. You had Brian Brown and Jackie Weaver who were faultless. You had Ryan Kaur, who's fast becoming my new favourite Australian <laughs> actor. It was just the premise was amazing. I couldn't wait to find the time to binge the entire six episodes. And then I loved the ending. It didn't end with a cliff hanger like please give us a season two it mm. had an ending with a little twist that you could bring it back but it wrapped that story up it was perfect television for me five out of five stars oh really well that's that's interesting to hear can i give a slightly alternate take on it okay <laughs> I've, I've only watched the first one right so far but to me it was really slow yeah and and because i hadn't read much i didn't know what the story was and until that dog came back in that yeah. first, first episode, I finally sort of understood where it might be going. Yeah, it was moody and it, and it did take its time. But by the end of the first episode, surely you wanted to see what happened next. Well, yes, yes, but it just took me so long to get there. I kept thinking, oh, strike me, come on. And 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 it's a bit, bit of a downer, the sort of Jackie Weaver character early on and... You know, you're thinking, mm, you know. No but, plot spoilers. Huh? No, no like, plot spoilers, no, but no, I know no, what no. you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if she's in the sort of home and stuff like that, I thought, mm, come on, let's speed it up. I'm, there was just nothing to really get me into it early on. And I'm I, I'm probably like a lot of viewers. I, I get impatient and you have short attention yep. span. You've got yep. a long list of shows you want to be watching. So you give them, you know, say, okay, I'll give this one a go. But, you know, gee, I, I just couldn't really get into it a lot. Wow. Were you jet lagged when you were trying to watch it? <laughs> no, no. Okay. No, no. But, um, but I'm, I, I was time poor, but, I mean, isn't everybody? Yeah, they pretty much are. Yeah. Um, look, I'll persevere. Um, I've had the great advantage, Jane, in, in that uh, this summer 
I've been sick with a head cold and I've been bedridden for, it's come back to me twice and I've been bedridden for about four days. And so that's taken the edge off because I've been able to watch all these shows. I've been able to finish all these shows. Mm. So I wasn't time poor. So I was able to sit there and leisurely watch stuff guilt free. And I was in a, certainly a different mind space uh, when I watched a lot of these shows. Right, right. Okay, okay. Um, and that gives me a segue into another program, another Aussie show that that um, launched on streaming over summer, Tidelands. I had similar problems with Tidelands yeah. in that first episode where I just didn't get it. Well, I think Tidelands is pitched at a much younger audience. I think it's very much pitched at the young kids on Netflix that just want to eat that stuff up and and pitch it. And I'm I'm biased here because I know the filmmakers, the producers very well. Nathan Mayfield and Tracy Robertson um, were working on Pacific Drive with me over 20 years ago. I've watched... Uh, hoodlum entertainment become the giant that it is today so and i went into it and i kind of i kind of got that it was meant to be a bit trashy yeah and a lot of the critics i think were take were going this isn't very good and i think they're trying to take it too seriously you know i thought it was hilarious how chris hemsworth's wife <laughs> elsa Pardike, who speaks in that spell i could barely understand anything she said <laughs> she was almost indecipherable but it didn't matter because she was so beautiful yeah. and she was constantly in this sort of wet negligee with the nipples <laughs> on full alert i just kept staring at her going i don't understand what you're saying but god you're beautiful yeah. so i kind of got that it was meant to be a bit trashy i think so that was the mindset i took into it and i watched all 10 hours of it i thought it was a bit long i thought it might have benefited actually from only being six parts like bloom um but i think for its target audience you know i hope it's worked Jeez, netflix spent a ton of money on it james promoting it yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm certainly going to persevere and, and get past that um first episode but um yeah, but for me, you know, it's uh, yeah, as you see, I look, I'm I'm getting on in my years, and I yeah. I like to be sort of enveloped in a story pretty early on. Yeah. Again, I was just you know some of that stuff that that opening scenes underwater and the the murder on the boat and um, sort of was the, the gangsters element that had a sort of gangster feel to it, and it just just didn't gel for me. Yeah, look, the drug stuff was, we've seen all that before. Um, but, you know, the, the sirens breathing underwater, that stuff was great. And mm. I love the locations too. I love that it was filmed in Queensland and yeah, using yeah. Queenslander houses. It would look fresh. Um, so, you know, I, I probably found more things to like about it than, you know, other viewers of our age. Sure. But I'm a, I'm a fan of their work, though. I mean, what was the series, uh, the medical thing? Harrow. Harrow, yeah. That that they're was, now that filming was... the second series of. That was brilliant. Yeah, I think both of them. That was on our best list for both of us for um for 2018 so yeah yeah, i'm I'm certainly aware of um what they can do um now you've been watching family law yeah the third and final series is on sbs it's only six episodes the final two air this saturday you can catch it up on sbs on demand look i think as as great as it's been seeing channel 10 playing new episodes of the connors and murphy brown and i'm a celeb and all of this i actually think for me the summer has belonged to SBS. They mm. had The Family Law, which is a great Australian comedy. So 
funny and moving. They've been screening this brilliant British series called Butterflies, starring Anna Friel as the mother of a 10-year-old boy who says, I'm really a girl, I'm transgender. And it follows her and the father, played by Emmett J. Scanlon, who, you know, they don't agree on what course to take. It's fantastic. And then, of course, we've had Slow TV from SBS, and I've been... I've, I've taped them all and I've watched <laughs> quite a few of them in the background. But the standout there is that Kimberly Cruise slow TV. Right. It was three hours. James, it's probably the most gobsmacking nature doco I've ever seen on Australia. Okay. There are these reefs over there that only emerge at low tide and as the water's rushing off them, it creates all these waterfalls and there's crocodiles uh, swimming amongst them okay. uh, eating turtles. It was incredible. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, they've, um, they've done a good job with that. So I think they've had four different weekends this year. They started with the was it the Indian Pacific? Indian Pacific, yep. yep. Then they did the Kimberley Cruise. They had Britain's Canals, and then yeah, the which, which was last weekend. And as we speak, the one to come, I think, is uh, New, Ze New Zealand's North Island. Yeah, I watched the Canal one. I had that on yesterday while I was at home pottering about. It was kind of dull. It was just one journey, one bit mm. of canal. It didn't cover the breadth of space that the train journey ones have no, done. No. Um, but I'll be watching. I can't wait to see the New Zealand one. I'm sure there's some pretty spectacular scenery on offer there. Yeah, that should be good. I watched a bit of that canal. Well, when you say you watch it, you do other stuff, don't you? Of course, but, yeah. But I found it quite entertaining and it was almost nice in its sort of a narrow focus where you, yeah, you knew you weren't going to miss much. <laughs> Correct. If you looked away, so it, it did have its purpose, you know. But I, I really want to catch up with the others. I'd really like to go because you, is is Viceland showing a, the really, really long versions of all of them? Yeah, they do. They show the longer versions on the Saturday. So right. I, uh, I'm waiting my way through the 17 hour version of the Indian oh, Pacific. 17 you know, 17 hours. Yeah, yeah. I, I put it on in the background, and I'm, I, I'm barely out of Perth at the moment, but <laughs> I just love it as background. I really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's a great idea, and I, and I, I remember I've been reading about it for years. It's happening happened overseas, and that, so it's, it's great that it's finally come here. It'd be nice if they did it more than once a year, you know. I mean, you don't want to milk it too much, but maybe twice a year or something, do a mid-year event would be good. Well, they've done slow summer. They could certainly do some of those winter ones. I know there's a, there's. I think the 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 genre almost started with somewhere in Norway or somewhere like that, where they followed a bunch of deer migrating mm. through the snow. So mm. yeah, the, you know, maybe they could think about doing it again in uh, in a colder month. Sure, sure. Um, now, Succession. That's the one that's. Um People said it's been loosely based on um, the Murdochs, and it started probably, was it November, December last year that started? Yeah, it aired in America about six months ago, and uh, it's now on Foxtel to watch. And they've got two family dramas, and I started Trust with Donald Sutherland playing okay, yeah. um, John Paul Getty in The Kidnapping, uh -huh. and I wanted to finish that, and I've done nine out of ten eps there, so I've enjoyed that, but wow, Succession starring Aussie actors Sarah Snook and Ashley Zuckerman um, and Brian Cox as the Rupert Murdoch-like father. <laughs> yeah. Wow, James. Mm. That drama that goes into 
the best of for 2018. I couldn't move off the couch i was so keen to get to the end of it yeah yeah now did it work as its own story or did you keep thinking oh this this is maybe what's happening inside the murdoch empire well it did work as its own story because although the setup is very similar in that the number of kids he's got the daughter and the two sons and you're sitting there going oh well is that one meant to be lachlan and is that one you know all of that there was all of that going on but Yes, eventually it was starting to stray into territory that you knew was fiction. Mm. So whilst the premise was very similar and had you raising your eyebrow, uh, you could see with some of the other stuff that, oh, yeah, well, this is a kind of an invention. So then you were able to lose yourself in it, and it was just brilliant, James. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Again, this is something I need to give a bit more attention to. I I dabbled in it last year, but didn't really grab me you know i thought well sort of interesting was it did it have a few sort of soap opera elements to it almost or? sure sure yeah. it's i mean it's it's shakespeare isn't it the, mm. the, the warring family and the the sons trying to res, wrestle control of the father's empire and the daughter who's the smartest person in the room but she's yeah. never going to get a chance because she's a girl yeah it had a lot of uh soap elements in there for sure yeah yeah now i was a big fan of friends from college uh one yeah. Um, but I haven't seen any of the second one yet. Have, have you delved into it? Oh, yeah. This this was one of the ones I watched when I was sick and I was feeling miserable. And there it was, series two, and I just inhaled it all and I loved it. It's, you know, I've got this thing about Netflix and we're going to talk about this later when we get to one of the other shows. Netflix is sometimes very, very obvious you know, when those synopsis and images come up on the screen as something to watch, you sort of look at it and go, oh. and Friends from College for me is one of those really obvious shows, mm. Friends from College, you know, straight away what it is. But I I think it's really funny and I'm really invested in those characters and I love that it's got this kind of craziness to it and it's it's kind of out there and it moves really, really quickly and I was really sad when I got to the end of it. I just loved it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to get into that one. Um, I mean, Netflix have interestingly released some audience figures uh, yeah. recently about about some of their stuff and and how it's doing. Um, Bird Box was the big one, even though it's a movie, but it's a sort of a TV movie almost, I guess, if it yeah. if it's on Netflix. Um, uh, Eighty million people that was up to the um, they they said they're they're streaming. The other ones I think were you and Sex Education both got to yeah. forty million, and both of wow. them knew um, had been on for a little while. But um, Sex Education I think had only been on just over a week when they released that forty million figure. So amazing numbers. But I've got to say though. I'm, Gee, I'm Mr. Negative today, but Bird Box, you know, I just found it again, I found it a bit depressing. No, I'm with you, James. I thought it was hopeless. I only got halfway (laughs) through it. I call it the blind, a quiet place. It was a quiet place, but instead of having to be quiet and, you know, you had to wear a blindfold and not look at them. And I got halfway through it and was going, when does this finish? And then my neighbour said to me, oh, it doesn't have an ending. You don't even find out who the the bad people are. I was like, okay, that's it. I'm not going back to it. Done. (laughs) Um... What about you? This was one of the shows that I just laughed when it came up as a suggestion because it was the show was called You and the tagline was like, you, 
He sees you. He mm. wants you. Mm. He loves you. And I just read it and thought, oh, my God, that looks so lame. And yet, of course, it's another success for them. It's actually a Lifetime show from Greg Belanti that nobody watched on Lifetime. Then they pushed it to Netflix, and now it's a big hit, and they're making a second series. But how about – I've only watched one episode of it, and I'm – you know, I'm, I've decided I'm not in the age group like you to watch any more of it. But that first episode, I mean, so guy meets girl, mm. uh, starts stalking her. She conveniently <laughs> lives in a ground floor apartment where never shuts the curtains. So he watches her having sex with the with another guy and then when the guy leaves she isn't satisfied so she starts masturbating so he's watching from across the street and he's masturbating on a public street into the bush it's classy <laughs> stuff james <laughs> i know look it but i got a bit sucked in by it i must admit Did you? I, I didn't expect to when it, again i had that initial reaction like you Oh, this is pretty crappy, you know. It's just yeah. American. But then I thought that a bit about Friends from College, though. Admittedly, that's yeah, right. it's not the sort of show I'd normally watch. That it's just a lot of those American sort of dramas have a sort of a shiny coat on them. It, whereas British dramas are a bit more gritty and I don't know, a bit realer. But some of those American dramas I find just I don't know a bit more showbiz. Well, I think, again, we go back to that time-poor argument. I don't have time to watch you now. Yeah. <laughs> I watched the first step, and if I was lying there sick all day, I might have watched an, another episode and got sucked into it. But mm. I just went, you know what? I'm old. I've seen this story before. If I really want to watch uh, something about stalking, I'd rather track down Clint Eastwood's <laughs> first movie, directing movie from 1971, Play Misty, for me, because I'm yeah. about to start screening The Mule, which is his last film because he's retiring. And so, you know, that's where I stand with the stalker genre. Um, <laughs> but I watched Single Education. I watched Sex Education. Mm. And I get why people are watching that. It's very raunchy mm. um, and very rude. And I do like uh, British shows that are rude like that. But again, I'm now time poor and I liked it. And I'm like, yeah, that was good. But, but, but I've got all these new shows for 2019. And some of them are starting to pop up on the media preview site. So I don't have time to complete them. That's why I like the short run shows, James. Yeah, I'm not into yeah. these 10 episodes. When they say there's six episodes, I go... Okay, I think I can do that. Mm. Yeah, I'm just I'm just sort of watching, just just hoping he gets caught soon. But gee, if I get to the last episode, they don't they don't wind up the um, if they don't catch him, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. Clearly, he's not going to get caught if they go into a second series. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they'll have a different story. Don't wreck it for me, Andrew. No, I don't. I don't know how it ends. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, have you have you bought into the t the breakfast TV hysteria that sort of gripped the nation for um, well for quite a while now, haven't it? Sort of all the drama surrounding um, Carl Stefanovic, um, his subsequent departure from the show, um, and the the new team that's brought in on today. I mean, I'm always working early in the morning. I don't really get have a chance to watch much breakfast TV. I've tried. I've been following the sort of the the hoo ha surrounding and all, but to me, it's just a massive I don't know, overreaction, beat up. Totally, hysteria is a good word for it, or as Malcolm Turnbull likes to call it, a form of madness. <laughs> um, the I, I'm with you. I'm out in the morning. I'm walking a dog, uh, and I'm never around to watch it. But because nine have the tennis now. 
today has been going till 10 a.m. Mm. And the other day I turned on the set and there they were, the new lineup: Georgie Gardner, Deb Knight, Tom Steinfurt um, and Tony Jones. And so I was able to watch it and I just happened to catch it was the end of the week mm. and they were reading out emails well, from people right. yeah. that had been slagging them off mm. and saying those women look like they've just woken up, who's done their hair? And they were reading out the emails and, and having a laugh about it. And I thought, this is brilliant. This is the way to engage with this hysteria that's going on about it. I mean, it's a huge gamble for nine. I applaud them for putting two women at the helm of the show. I've been saying this for years. You've probably heard me say it. Why mm. not give it a go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love um, Brooke Boney, who's come in, uh, Bonnie, who's come in to be the new Indigenous entertainment reporter. Of course, there was hysteria about her because she was asked what she thought about Australia Day, <laughs> and she answered it very respectfully and intelligently. Mm. And, of course, the tabloid press went off and said she had a rant about it, which she didn't. I mean... It's going to be tough days for them because, you know, James, there's no guarantee when you don't rehearse people together. There's no guarantee that, that, that this new lineup is going to have the chemistry required to sustain that show. And, you know, the ratings are kind of scary at the moment, but they've got to hold fire here and see if it works. You don't just suddenly go, oh, you know, it's not working. People aren't in their normal habits at the moment. People are on holidays. Ratings are all over the shop. Tennis is on nine and cricket's on seven. Viewers are confused. Let's just let those girls and the new guys settle into that role and leave them alone. And for Christ's sake, new idea and Woman's Day, stop mm. these ridiculous articles. They take pictures of them on set because they're out doing an outside broadcast and they're taking pictures of them and they wait till they get a picture where neither of them are smiling and they go, look at the tension. It's bullshit. <laughs> Leave them alone and let them do their jobs. Yeah, look, I'm with you. I, I love the, the line-up at uh, nine. Gee, they could have really bitten them and gone all, all female if they wanted to. But look, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I love the idea of the, the two girls hosting. And yeah, let's just, just give it a long time. Look, it's it's not that far behind Sunrise, you know. It, no. Nationally, it is. Metro, it's not so much. And it often wins in um, in Sydney. Um, and that's, show. that's actually really important. That's actually a clue that yeah. uh, it might work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, look, I think just just let it go for a long time before we get carried away with trying to make um, too many um, decisions about if it's a flop or not. Now, Andrew, have we seen Seven testing the waters for a major programming initiative at 7 o'clock? Wow. That could see Home and Away go to a multi-channel. Well, this is very interesting. This has been rumoured for a long time, hasn't it? Uh, is Home and Away going to survive in the 7pm time slot when it's now being beaten decisively by a current affair? And, you know, apparently some people want, at 7 want to bring back today, tonight and engage in that mm. war again and move Home and Away to 7-2. Look, there's a couple of danger things about this. We know that if it moves to the digital channel, it's going to lose half its Australian audience. And that mm. was fine for Neighbours, but that audience it still has on seven has been sizable and as michael idato called it it's been the bedrock of their primetime schedule for over 30 years and if home and away isn't rating maybe seven should have a look at the crap storylines they're <laughs> rehashing year after year mm. and think that that's what the problem with the show is mm. i would I, I would like to think, James, that this is a bit of an experiment that they're trying to get the jump 
on Married at First Sight because they got beaten by it last year. And that, again, we're not in our regular routines yet. I remember years ago, uh, the Daily Telegraph trying to get me to comment on a story because they wanted to run a story that Home and Away was on the way out because it wasn't rating well. And I'm like, it's January. The kids aren't even back at school. The show's not not in danger. So they could do this for a couple of weeks and maybe Home and Away's coming back to the 7pm slot. But if they're going to move that to the digital channel, they're playing a dangerous game, James, because over in the UK, who probably fund a lot of the production money, Home and Away was off air for, I think, two years when it got sold from... What, I think it was on ITV and it moved to Channel 5. And in those two years, it got it was missing on air. And since it's come back, it barely gets a mention over there in the UK press. The, the Brits are still loving Neighbours and they still there's a lot more of them watching it than here on, you know, 10 Peach. But Home and Away over there, I would describe that as, you know, ha- having barely any audience in the UK. And they've had all these Australian viewers for so long playing a dangerous game yes yeah 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 no it'd be interesting yeah I, it would be a massive move to take it off the primary channel i'm not sure where else they can move it if you left it on it's seven o'clock or nothing really isn't it and it's got to be seven o'clock i know people that are obsessed by that show and have watched it all their life so you're mm-hmm. going to have to keep it at that time slot because people watch it regardless of the content what, what i think about the storyline content of the show you know and I've always said to you that I think it's it's got a high male audience because, you know, I know blokes that say to me, if that Alf Stewart ever leaves that show, I'll have something to say about it. I'll ring, you know, they, they there are people who just, that's their routine. Mm. They watch the mm. news and then they watch Home and Away. And so it's got to stay in that time slot somewhere. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, quickly on Neighbours, they had an episode on Christmas Day. Were you, uh, did you tune in? I certainly did. The first ever, you know, Christmas Day episode of an Aussie drama that aired on Christmas Day. I've, I've, I've dipped in, in and out all summer. They've done some great stuff. They had storylines for New Year's Eve and all that. It's been great. Um, of course, the Christmas Day episode featured the return of uh, Alan Dale as Jim Robinson, Paul's father, who died 25 years ago. They set it up beautifully in the weeks coming up. Lots of like, oh, suddenly they're all talking about Jim again. But James... Yeah. He freaking appeared as an app. I would thought he was going to come back as a ghost. I knew it was going to be a bit lame. I thought they might do a Christmas carol and have him taking Paul into an alternate It's a Wonderful Life scenario, which has been done a lot on soaps before. But instead, we saw the ghost of Jim Robinson appear to Paul Robinson from inside a Christmas bauble decoration. Was <laughs> <laughs> that it? That was it. He he, he gave uh, he gave him a good talking to and said you've me- you've messed up your life, son, and look at what you <laughs> and just gave him a talking to. And then he appeared in an apparition as Paul Robinson drove into the bush to try and figure out whether or not he killed a second person and left the remains there. And mm-hmm. um, that was it. Wow, wow, very exciting Christmas Day for neighbours fans. Eh? <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, gee whiz. Um, what else have you uh, now they've um i was going to mention that doco fire on um 
I think Netflix. it's on Netflix, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's been getting yeah. a lot of chat, a lot of people talking about this because it's, it's. I started watching it last night. Mm. I only got halfway through it. Um, a friend of mine gave me a huge recommendation and said he was crying with laughter um, <laughs> as the the you know the world's most exclusive festival started going horribly wrong <laughs> and all the Instagram influencers started yeah. crying because all they were getting was stale cheese sandwiches. So <laughs> I'm halfway through it. And, uh, you know, straight away I'm thinking, are you guys insane? You've mm. given yourself no preparation time to hold this. You know, they're sitting there talking about where people are going to stay on an island that can't support 6,000 people. And the, the festival's a couple of weeks away and they haven't even figured out that basic detail yet. Yeah, yeah, no, the site looked just horrible, didn't it, that they chose? Yeah. And it was like a barren outcrop of... Looked like you're on the bit of the moon or something. Just all this yeah. really barren rock, and mm, this wasn't good at all. And yeah, it's just just an interesting. If people don't know, Fire was a music festival was um, set to play take place in the Bahamas, I think, back in uh, 2017. And gee, they got in some awful trouble the um, financially. So yeah, it's just a very forensic um, examination of what went wrong. And um, yeah, it just it's sort of riveting viewing. So check that one out if you. Um, if you want to. Um, yes. Have we got time? Can I just run through some of the stuff I watched in the UK? Absolutely. I want to hear what's going on in the UK for sure. I mean, Christmas in the UK, that's one of the things I love about the UK is their sense of history. Yep. Um, whether it's, you know, drama, docos and TV. They're, they're really into it and they really love paying tribute to all their TV stars and they do it often and they do it regularly and they do it very well. And I guess Christmas is always usually, and it's about Morecambe and Wise, basically. Yeah, and, yeah, I thought and, you were going to say that. <laughs> and mate, if you, I mean, I've always been a bit of a sucker for Morecambe and Wise. I've always found them very funny. Um, and gee whiz, was there a lot of Morecambe and Wise on over Christmas? And there were some, and and it wasn't just all sort of repeats and uh, of of stuff that had gone by. But um, of course, there wasn't any new stuff because they're not around. But there was, I mean, this there was a there's a drama called um, Eric, Ernie, and Me, uh, which stars Stephen Stephen Tomlinson as their oh, yeah. as their writer Eddie um, Braben. Right. This, is, this is actually from 2017, but they ran it again this Christmas yep. in the UK. I'm guessing it might have been on here somewhere, but I've I've never come across I it. I don't think it's ever been on Australian but, TV. I would have watched it and found yeah. it being here. But it's probably on one of the streaming services, or maybe um, iTunes might be there. So you'd probably have to pay to download it. But gee whiz, I think it's worth watching. It's just fascinating. It's just really well done. Uh, I love that. Um, there was a, a great doco called Morecambe and Wise in America. Uh, yeah. There's a series, I think there was three episodes. It was hosted by Jonathan Ross. And it told the story of how they tried to break America because Ed Sullivan was such a massive fan of theirs. Wow. And it's just incredible. It's got all their home movies they, they shot when they were over there. And it's just amazing, you know. They... Um, and they've still got there's a couple of family members they they speak to and the widow of one of the guys oh, i had it written down here i just can't see it but yeah but so there's just but that's really worth seeing it's just a an amazing look and of course they've got all the ed sullivan footage and you, and you can see ed yep. sullivan really trying to help these guys succeed in america well i don't think wow. they never really took off big time there but it's just just a fascinating insight into um into how they went about it so that's um 
really worth watching. There's also one called Morecambe and Wise, The Lost Tapes. And that was. Uh, and do they colourise it, James, or was it colour um, footage? Good question. I think it was black and white. I'm just trying right. to remember now. Um, so I, I the, suspect the Ed Sullivan stuff's all all black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there were there was one other one. Oh, Morecambe, the Morecambe and Wise story. Uh, look back in laughter and that was more sort of a straight uh, docker that was on um, channel five over there a couple yep. of hours but that's about it was sort of five you know really quite good good shows you could get into and, and learn more about Morecambe and Wise because I think they've got the record from the biggest ever TV audience in the UK on Christmas Day I yeah. think you're right there James yeah this was before before people meters of course so it was just a diary yep. diary estimate but it was massive audience it was like one in every two people in the UK will watch because their Christmas special was sort of you know it was I think the Queen's Christmas message took second place behind um, having <laughs> having to watch Morecambe and Wise. I mean, there was lots of other comedians too, like Norman Wisdom, there was a good doco on him while I was there. Uh, Kenny Everett, there was a good sort of tribute show to Kenny Everett. Uh, but just yep. all their comedians, they really enjoy paying tribute to them and, and respecting them. And it's usually they try and have family members and they have sort of people who might have worked with them or other comedians talk to a lot of these I think these more common wise shows they had contemporary comedians talking about you know how they enjoyed their stuff and what they learnt off them and how they were sort of inspired by them and stuff like that yeah right um, another interesting one with ITV Christmas Day was the Torval and Dean sort of uh, it was sort of like it was almost like a soap opera but it was was the, it so, a doco or a no. movie with actors playing the part? Yeah, actors playing the part. So wow. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was that was really fun. That was um, that was interesting. A guy called Will Tudor played Christopher Dean. He was yep. one. Of, he was in uh, Humans. Um, yes. Um, he was one of the sort of what are they droids, whatever they were. The um, in, in Humans, a blonde sort of striking looking chap. Um, girl called Poppy Lee Fryer played Jane Torville. I don't know much about her. She was in, was Ackerley Bridge, sort of a, um, a drama, a UK drama. Um, but uh, and then and Stephen Tomlinson turned up in that as, um, who, he was, um, he was Christopher Dean's dad, I think, in this. Or was he Jane Torville's dad? Gee, I'm getting confused now. But anyway, hey, there's a there's a theme running through a lot of the shows I watched had, um, had Stephen Tomlinson in it. Um, yeah, right. So, so yeah, he was, he's very much in demand over there. Um, what else have we got? Oh, the ABC Murders. There's always an Agatha Christie special uh, at Christmas. Uh, this, yes. This time they had John Malkovich playing Hercule Poirot. Oh, wow. The, the, the Belgian detective, and that was really special. Um, and I think it's coming here soon. It'd have to be. Um, uh, coming to BBC first, I'm pretty sure. Although I'm, I'm not sure, but it'll definitely be here soon. Uh, if it's not on BBC first, suspect it to turn up on the ABC, I guess. Yeah, but a three-parter was a little bit out there. Got actually quite a hard time in the press over there in the UK, but I quite enjoyed it. Um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a bit edgy. It was... Um, he was actually... At, well, and I won't tell you too much about the story, actually, because it's, it's a bit of a surprise in that um, towards the end of the, the uh, series that um, reveals some of... Um, Hercule's background, but that that was really interesting. Uh, I managed yep. to watch Luther, the latest Luther. I think it was. Oh yes. 
series of five, four episodes. It's starting later this month on um, on BBC First, I'm pretty yes, sure. Yes, I've seen that. Yep, yep, yep that's great. Um, Ruth Wilson, sort of the co-star in that. Uh, Hermione Norris is in it. Um, she's one of my favourite actors. Of course, in Cold Feet, I also saw her in the start of a new, the, the latest season of Cold Feet over there, which just went right. away before I came back. But that Luth is really good. It's uh, Again, it's very dark. It's... Um, it's probably darker than all the others, and they were they were pretty dark. There's a storyline that sort of t- almost takes you back to the first season. I won't say much more about it than that, but that um, I always remember that first season of um, there were quite a few shocks in that Luther, and there, there's some similar surprises in this most recent one. Yeah, um, I watched a little bit of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. It's yeah, come, right. It's back, is it? It's come back over there, and uh, interestingly, hosted by Jeremy Clarkson. Right. Which was the reason I turned it on. And it what was, channel? Um, ITV. Okay. And, and they do it as a short-run six-episode series, but get yeah. this, it's six consecutive nights. Oh, wow. So, so it's a nine o'clock time slot. It starts on um, start on Sunday night and then ran through to the Friday. Um, huh. Six nights in a row. It was it was good. It wasn't wonderful. I mean, if you if you got annoyed by the way Eddie McGuire used to drag out the sort of prime <laughs> prime time millionaire, yeah, Clarkson has similar tricks. And just when you're really waiting for something, he says, "We'll be back after this message." <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he was very straight. But it was it was okay. But he you don't get a lot of the Jeremy Clarkson that you see on uh, Top Gear. You know, these sort yeah. of you know ranting and raving and. You know, being rude, and there's little glimpses of that, and he sort of pokes a bit of fun at some of the the advertisers that, and he always tells people to go and make a cup of tea during the ads, which I'm not sure how happy ITV would have been about that when they'd be hoping people would stay and watch the ads that they've charged a lot of money for. Well, you know, if if, if nine this year run six nights of uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in prime time, things have gone really, really bad for them. Because you can't do that when you've got hot seat on every night of the week, can you? No, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I got to see the first few episodes of Les Miserables, the, um, oh. which is also coming to um, BBC First uh, pretty soon, I think. And gee whiz, that was really good. It's wow. uh, pretty amazing. I spent a bit of money on that. Some amazing opening scenes at the uh, Battle of Waterloo. Uh, and they spent a lot of money. It was almost reminiscent of a Game of Thrones opening. Wow. Just some really, you know, big special effects. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of that throughout it, but they've certainly dumped a lot of money on the start of the season. Um, yep. It's really good. Of course, Andrew Davies has wrote the screenplay for that from the Victor Hugo novel. Um, Dominic West. Derek Jacoby, uh, Lily Collins, Olivia Coleman turns up as well. Um, but yeah, it's just a really impressive series. I'd recommend uh, people hang out for that one. Um, how are we going for time there? I'll, I'll power through this. The um, A Manhunt was was really good. Uh, Martin Clunes playing a detective. ITV? Uh, yep, uh, coming soon to seven. Right. It's not far right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a feeling it's going to be on in um, February. They might even be running some trailers for it. But that's really worth seeing. It's fantastic. Um, it's uh, based on a, a real case um, in London um, earlier this decade. It's just fascinating just the way to see uh, Martin Clunes as the detective um, 
given a you know a considerable promotion to sort of um, take on the case, and it's just great uh, seeing him at work and how they um, go through trying to solve this case. Yep, um, really good. I got to I watched a bit of the Greatest Dancer. Now this is a reality series. Look, trying to find good dancers. You might think, yeah, well, yeah, another one. But the thing about this was it was Simon Cowell's first ever series for the BBC. Oh. Mm, so that was interesting. It, it did reasonably well. Look, it's not my cup of tea. It'd be yep. interesting to see if the format, you know, anybody wants to give the format a go out here. Cause well, I think they'll be waiting to see how Dancing with the Stars goes on 10 before they make any sudden yeah. moves on another dancing format. Yeah, absolutely. But that's um, that's already been, uh, thanks to Peter Ford maybe this week, that's been getting <laughs> a, a bit of press here, hasn't it, about the... Yeah. Um, and again, they seem to be making some um, pretty interesting choices there. The the first three co- competitors have been uh, revealed. So that, yep. that could do quite well here, I think. I'm there. Yeah, yeah. Again, that, that'll be dropping um, just straight after um, Celebrity finishes. So you're going to have um, Sunday Night Takeaway, and you go to Mondays um, with um, with uh, Dancing with the Stars. Tuesday, I think Ambulance comes back. And then 10 are going to have that Changing Rooms on Wednesday, Thursday. So it's a good lineup. And then Friday, show me the movies. Yeah, correct. I, it's I a good lineup. It'll be on a bit later, I think. So I think the living room will stay probably at 7.30. I've got the feeling. And show me yep. the movie might be on later. But just it's, on paper, it looks okay, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, so that's really my list of um, a bunch of stuff I, I made a few notes about. I, I tried to watch as much as I could, but gee, they really pack into the UK that Christmas week, they pack in a lot of TV, you know. The, the weather's not the greatest, which is one of the reasons they do it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. People say, why do you go to England, you know, in, in winter? But that's uh, that's one of the reasons. It's a uh, really great celebration of TV, and you sit there with your uh, radio times, and there's... Um, there's plenty to watch. One of the other things I, I have over there. always wanted to go to the UK for Christmas <laughs> to watch TV. My whole life I've wanted to do that. Yeah, one other little thing I learned. There was a new series of Father Brown launched, but I didn't realise Father Brown's an afternoon show in the UK. Is it? <laughs> it's not on in prime time. <laughs> like wow, a, I didn't know that. It's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going, what's going well, on that's here? that's like... That's like that show, The Coroner, that ABC screened here in prime time. That was a BBC daytime show as well. Right, yes, yes, okay. Well, that just shows you the, the breadth of the content they've got there. They yeah. can afford to have quality stuff like that and you know, for their, for their daytime audience. Well, of course, it looked, a lot of it's on-demand viewing these days, so you could argue, well, it doesn't really... It's mattering less and less um, where yeah, these yeah. shows actually premiere. Oh, okay, so what else do we want to wrap up with? Now, you've been um, doing a bit of podcasting, is that right? Well, eventually. What I discovered when, you know, because I live in regional and I've got not much choice of radio stations yeah, at yeah. night, and I was on Triple M, and every night when I was driving home from work, there was this amazing interview. It'd be Michael Chug getting interviewed or the, the manager of Silverchair, and I was going, who is this fantastic <laughs> behind-the-scenes stories of the Australian music scene? And going back in the day, too, really, really interesting. And then eventually I heard the tagline, and it's a podcast, a mm. podcast one show called On the Inside with Peter Ricks. 
and Peter yeah. Ricks, of course, we know from the, the one of the organisers of the Arias and Marsha Hines' manager for a long time, James. It was outstanding. And so now I'm madly uh, downloading those podcasts. Just great music history from Australia. Really, really good stuff. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, uh, Peter Ricks, yeah, look, uh, long-time industry manager. There's actually 24 of those podcasts, so... Um, people want to get onto that they're on the uh, podcast one platform or you can download them from itunes okay andrew we should probably wrap it up there yeah yes james i've got another session starting in 10 minutes All right, so we're wrapping it up good cinema uh, attendances let's let's hope the audiences stay strong for you well but there's been too much bloody sunshine james i haven't <laughs> had a drop of rain so oh, it's really? been okay but it could have been better but yeah the, everyone's had a magnificent summer yeah but uh yeah geez the rain helps with the bottom line at that box office well, let's uh, wish for some storms to uh <laughs> crack through that uh, north coast area all right andrew look great talking to you we'll um catch up again soon thanks james talk okay, soon bye